Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So here we are, yet again, one of the Elven Kingdoms falling to its doom. This time, the last of the Elven Kingdoms, Gondolin, sacked, destroyed, torn apart by dragons and balrogs. And yet, amidst all of that, there is still a sliver of hope. When we left off last time, we were talking about Tour and Idril and their escape into the northern mountains. And you can hear it all around us. The winds, the cold winds of the mountains. The journey was not a comfortable journey. Physically, it was difficult. Emotionally, these people had their world destroyed. And here they are now, attempting to escape with their very lives. We don't have numbers. We don't know exactly how many individuals were part of this group that were escaping. But we do know that most of them were wounded or women and children. Those who were not able to stand and fight the losing battle. But we also know that there were others with them as well. We have Tour and Idril, who we've talked about, their son, 
Arendelle. And there's another, a name that might be familiar to you. Glorfindel. Glorfindel shows up in the Lord of the Rings, in the Third Age. We've mentioned him before. It's not because he lives a long life. It's because he dies and he comes back. And we have one of those momentous scenes play out as the group, as this group of survivors are working their way to safety. You see, the paths through the mountains were treacherous. They were extremely dangerous. And then they were caught. This is what the text says. There was a dreadful pass, Kirith Thoronath, it was named, the Eagle's Cleft, where beneath the shadow of the highest peaks a narrow path wound its way. On the right hand it was walled by a precipice, and on the left a dreadful fall leapt into emptiness. Along that narrow way their march was strung, when they were ambushed by orcs. For Morgoth had set watchers all about the encircling hills, and a Balrog was with them. Then dreadful was their plight, and hardly would they have been saved but by the valor of yellow-haired Glorfindel, chief of the house of the Golden Flower of Gondolin, had not Thorondor come timely to their aid. Many are the songs that have been sung of the duel of Glorfindel and the Balrog upon a pinnacle of rock in that high place, and both fell to ruin in the abyss. But the eagles coming stooped upon the orcs and drove them shrieking back, and all were slain and cast into the deeps. So that rumor of the escape from Gondolin came not until long after to Morgoth's ears. Then Thorondor bore up Glorfindel's body out of the abyss, and they buried him in a mound of stones beside the pass. And a green turf came there, and yellow flowers bloomed upon it amid the barrenness of stone, until the world was changed. It's another one of those scenes of a very special burial place. Glorfindel gives his life to protect those fleeing and yet another scene where a very powerful elf pits himself against a Balrog and both are killed. And yet, because of Glorfindel's sacrifice, this group survives and Morgoth doesn't hear about it for a long time. So the group makes their way through this pass. They survive this ambush by orcs and a Balrog. And you have to remember, they're, they're headed north in a direction that would be least likely for the enemy to anticipate. And then after that time, they find their way around the mountains, through the hills, and then back down to the south again, to the Vale of Syrian, 
We've heard a lot about the Vale of Syrian. This is an area where most of the stories have happened over the last few months. They make their way to a place called the Land of Willows, Nan Tathrin. And we're told here that the power of Ulmo yet ran through the great river and was about them. Specifically those words, and was about them. It was another one of those moments where they are being ushered forward or compelled or empowered by Ulmo himself in order to get to the place. And this is not said specifically here in the text, but this is exactly the direction that Ulmo was trying to get Turgen to lead his people. But instead of the entire society, the entire kingdom of Gondolin, it's just this group of remnants who make their way there. And when they get here, we are told a few things. First of all, they rest. As we know, Morgoth doesn't know where this group went, how they escaped. No word has gotten back to him about them yet. And secondly, they were exhausted and wounded. And physically, they needed to heal. But they emotionally needed to heal as well. Imagine going through this kind of world-ending catastrophe. And you and the few people you know are the only ones who made it out alive. Now, not only thinking about it from the perspective of you yourself or as an adult, but think about this through the perspective of a child. Erendil is seven. He is seven when these events happen. Seven years old has to flee from dragons and balrogs slaughtering everyone around him. That sort of thing has a major effect on your personality, on your goals for the rest of your life. So they all gather here at this safe area that they are now in, and they seek to heal themselves. They heal their wounds, of course, but they also need to heal emotionally. The text says, there they rested a while and were healed of their hurts and weariness, but their sorrow could not be healed. And they made a feast in memory of Gondolin and of the elves that had perished there, the maidens and the wives and the warriors of the king, and for Glorfindel, the beloved, many were the songs they sang. Under the willows of Nan Tathrin, in the waning of the year, their tour made a song for Arendil, his son, concerning the coming of Ulmo, the lord of waters, to the shores of Nevrest aforetime. And the sea longing woke in his heart, and in his sons also. So what they are doing here is they are attempting to heal emotionally. They're not able to. The sorrow could not be healed. But these people are lamenting. We don't see acts of religion so much in Tolkien's work. We don't see them lamenting and praying to Ulmo or thanking Ulmo for their salvation in this situation. But we do see the singing of song, the eating of food, the coming together as a community 
and the the thing that happens in these situations is you burn in the community's memory pictures of what had happened and you start to try to process it it's like processing grief and tolkien had a sense of that and how that works the other thing that's really cool here is that tour makes a song for Arendil, his son about when ulmo came to him at nevrest he tells him the story of his heritage of what happened to his father that led him to go to Gondolin to begin with, to meet his mother, the history before he was around. And at seven years old, he's just old enough to really start to comprehend that. What was that like? And we're reminded again about the sea, the sea longing in both of them. And this will become important still. The next part of the passage says, Therefore Idril and Tuor departed from Nantathrin and went southwards down the river to the sea. This is part of that sea longing. They decide to move even closer to the sea here. And they dwelt there by the mouths of Syrian and joined their people to the company of Elwing, Dior's daughter, that had fled thither but a little while before. Baron and Luthien's son, Dior, had three children, remember this? Elwing was their daughter. Their people are in this area as well. And when the tidings came to Balar of the fall of Gondolin and the death of Turgon, Erenian Gilgalad, son of Fingon, was named High King of the Noldor in Middle-earth. This is the moment that Gilgalad becomes High King of the Noldor. This should sound familiar to you. If you have watched The Rings of Power, you've seen Gilgalad. If you have watched the Lord of the Rings movies, he is there at the battle at the end of the Second Age. Gilgalad will reign as king from this moment until his death at the end of the Second Age. This is one of those little references that just finds its way into the Silmarillion and gives us this glimpse of what happened and when and how the lineages play out. And then nothing more is said about it here. That's it. But fortunately, we do know some more about Gilgalad, and it's probably worth explaining a little bit more here. So Gilgalad, his full name is Erenion, E-R-E-I-N-I-O-N, gil Galad was born to the name Artanaro, Artanaro, Artanero, maybe something like that, A-R-T-A-N-A-R-O, and was the son of Oradrith. Oradrith was one of the children of Finarfin, Finway's son. So you have Finway, Finarfin, Oradrith, Gilgalad, four generations. We're now four generations down in the kingship of the Noldor. And Gilgalad was born in the year of the trees 1481 in Eldamar. This was part of Amon. This was part of Valinor. He grew up and was born before the Noldor made their way across the ocean back to Middle-earth. So this king has seen the light of the trees. He has seen all of the conflicts, everything that has happened so far and will continue to live until the end of the Second Age 
into the Battle of the Last Alliance with Sauron and dies in the year 3441 of the Second Age at 4,213 years old. Gilgalad lives a long life and is a very important character. And this is the first time any mention of him happens in the Silmarillion. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. I hope you are enjoying it. It is time to welcome some new patrons to the Patreon. And so let's go through our list. We have Joel M and Darren L and Sarah and Azul Razzle. <laughs> That's a great name. And Darren G and Isaiah M and Ryan W. Welcome to the Patreon. I hope you are enjoying everything. Your bonus episodes, if you got those, your ad-free episodes and supporting the show. Thank you so very much. And uh, if you are interested in joining the Patreon, like these people did, patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast is the place to do it. And we've got to shout out our, our VIP tier to patrons. Man, words are hard. Why? All of a sudden, I'm, I'm talking fine. And then all of a sudden, the words get all jumbled up. Here we go. Let's go down the list. Austin C., Azel Razzle, Bo, Brad S., Brandy D., Chewbacca, Christopher D., David S., David M., Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Gavin Nalaf, uh, Interim Name, formerly AK Music Lover, Cool Name Pending, uh, Jesse P., Katie S., Capenna, Larry, Lauren C., Nick K., Obi-Wan Kenobi, Patrick W., Sam B., Shannon L., T-Rex, TJ T., uh, Tour Son of Hoor, Tyler M and Wes P. Thank you to all of you. Wow, that's a big list. This keeps growing. Uh, I hope you are enjoying everything. And let's see, I put the shirts on the Patreon like a month, month and a half ago now. It's been a few weeks. So we're probably about halfway to the point where you're getting get your first shirt if you signed up and were part of the VIP patron then it goes every three months from after you signed up. So uh, look for those. They'll be coming out. I believe in June, I think it'll be in June. So that's exciting stuff. Thank you for all of your support. And uh, we have some new reviews on 
Apple Podcasts. This one comes from Dwarf Lore Nerd. This one's great. I really like this one. Uh, negative one star, but five stars. I think there's an explanation here. Hey, robots, this show is awesome, and the only thing that would lose it a star is binge listening and then not being able to listen to it more. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I can only do so many episodes at a time. Uh, this show is incredible, and I love it. Plus, what do you think Tom Bombadil is, and why is he not in the movies? Uh, I think he's a little too weird, and so they pulled him out of the movies because they didn't want to confuse people. But what he actually is, uh, we've discussed that a little bit in the bonus episodes. Uh, I don't really know. Just to be frank, I don't I don't have like a solid opinion yet. I've got some speculations, but now's not the time to go into that. Uh, but feel free to post in the Discord and, and chat with us over there. Um, I highly suggest the show to anyone thinking about listening to it. P.S. Sorry if I got some grammars wrong, some grammar wrongs, <laughs> and the review is hard to read. After all, words is hard. I have a feeling all of that was intentional. I am also just a kid. Well, even though you're just a kid, thank you for the review and the kind thoughts. Uh, I appreciate that. This one comes from Stoned Melkor from Canada. The first one was from the United States. This one's from Canada. Five stars. Amazing. Just like many others love the Lord of the Rings books and movies, but have struggled with reading the Silmarillion. I binged this podcast 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 podcast. Did I say podcast? Am I turning into a uh, somebody from New Zealand? What is going on? Uh, in two weeks at work and am absolutely hooked. Very visual listening experience and perfect for any Tolkien fans. This and Nerd of the Rings videos on YouTube are my obsession, my new obsession. Yeah, those videos are great. You should go look them up. Uh, P.S. Out of Time is a banger. And that's the one of the songs I put up. Thank you so much. That's on Spotify if you want to look up the new Star Gods, by the way. Uh, much love from Canada. Well, much love from Florida up to Canada. Thank you so much for everybody for your support and for leaving these awesome reviews. Also, you can rate the show on Spotify. Five star reviews or ratings on there would be awesome as well. Plus, you can leave comments about the episodes and all of that stuff. So you know how all that stuff works. All right, let's get back to the rest of the show. So after we find out about the survival of this group and the lamenting they've been doing, the healing they've attempted to to have, our attention is thrown back to Morgoth. It says here, but Morgoth thought that his triumph was fulfilled, wrecking little of the sons of Feanor and their oath, which had harmed him never and turned always to his mightiest aid. Now, let's pause there. You might think the Oath of Feanor has to do with getting the Silmarils. He got wounded in a few little conflicts. He also had one of them taken or he got wounded in one conflict, I think is probably as much as we can say. He got one of the Silmarils taken back by Baron and Luthien. So wounded not at all. Mm. It goes on. And in his black thought, he laughed regretting not the one Silmaril he had lost, for by it, as he deemed, the last shred of the people of the Eldar should vanish from Middle-earth and trouble it no more. It was a cost he was willing to spend to get rid of the elves, to trouble Middle-earth no more. He sees them as like a pox, 
like a plague on the land that he needs to rid. Do you get that? That's the vibe I get from this. I'm willing to spend that. They've been, all of my plans are coming together. All of the conflicts are starting to go my way. Over time, my plan is working out. They're a disease and I have been slowly burning them out of Middle Earth. That's the vibe I get here. It goes on. If he knew of the dwelling by the waters of Syrian, he gave no sign, biding his time and waiting upon the working of oath and lie. We've talked about this before. Although his forces directly attacking Gondolin were massive and super effective. That sounds like a Pokemon term. Um, (laughs) Even though that's the case with his military forces and many of the other actual military conflicts went his way, he still knew that the working of the oath, the oath of Feanor, was working to his benefit and the lies and the deceit that he had sown among the elves that were left were his greatest powers. He knew that. He understood why he was winning this conflict and how he was pulling them apart from each other. The passage goes on. Yet by Syrian and the sea, there grew up an elven folk, the gleanings of Doriath and Gondolin, and from Balar, the mariners of Círdan came among them, and they took to the waves and the building of ships, dwelling ever nigh to the coasts of Arvernian, under the shadow of Ulmo's hand. We get this glimpse of hope here. The leftover peoples of two great elven kingdoms, Doriath and Gondolin, and the individuals who were still safely living in Balar, the mariners of Círdan, all come together and they are guided, overseen by Ulmo himself in the ways of building ships and keeping themselves safe. There's also a specific phrase here that is very important. This passage started with, yet by Syrian and the sea, there grew up an elven folk. Who grew up? It doesn't say right here specifically. It's kind of a general statement. But chances are the number of elven children who survived this and made their way through the past would have been very small. But we do know of one child, Arendil. And so this group of people is doing everything they can to survive and to live off of the ocean. They're on the very edge of the continent, just surviving. And then we're given a glimpse of something we haven't seen in a long time. And it is said that in that time, Ulmo came to Valinor out of the deep waters and spoke there to the Valar of the need of the elves. And he called on them to forgive them and rescue them from the overmastering might of Morgoth and win back the Silmarils, wherein alone now bloomed the light of the days of bliss when the two trees still shone in Valinor. 
Ulmo goes back to Manway and the rest of the Valar and argues the point from the elves' perspective. They need our help. But Manway was not moved. And of the counsels of his heart, what tale shall tell? Question mark. The wise have said that the hour was not yet come, and that only one speaking in person for the cause of both elves and men, pleading for pardon on their misdeeds and pity on their woes, might move the councils of power, and the oath of Vanor, perhaps even Manway could not loose, until it found its end, and the sons of Feanor relinquished the Silmarils, upon which they had laid their ruthless claim, for the light which lit the Silmarils, the Valar themselves had made. What does that mean? What this means is that although Ulmo is doing the best he can to help the elves and the men that he deeply cares about, that he watches over, that was not what Manway needed. Manway needed someone, one of the men or elves themselves in person to speak on their behalf, to seek forgiveness, and to be willing to give back the Silmarils, to let go of the oath of Feanor, to fight against any creature that would take the Silmarils from them. They needed a savior, somebody willing to do that. And yet, the way back to Valinor was still impassable. No ship could make that journey. How would one who can petition for both the elves and the men make that journey back? Then we're given the last paragraph of chapter 23. In those days, Tour felt old age creep upon him, and ever a longing for the deeps of the sea grew stronger in his heart. Therefore, he built a great ship, and he named it Arame, which is Sea Wing. And with Idril Celebrindal, he set sail into the sunset and the west, and came no more into any tale or song. Enough time has passed that Tour grows old. And he seeks the sea. He's had that longing in his heart this entire time. So he decides that he's going to retire on a boat with his wife and sail into the sea. And we don't hear about them anymore. And then we get this last sentence. But in after days, it was sung that Tour alone of mortal men was numbered among the elder race and was joined with the Noldor whom he loved, and his fate is sundered from the fate of men. Tour was given the gift of the elves, maybe. That's what the rumors say. But what about Arendil, their son? What about the rest of these peoples, Círdan, the shipwright, Elwing, the granddaughter of Baron and Luthien? Well, that story continues next time. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. 
If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.